The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at podshock.net. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi with Dave Cooper, Graham Sheridan, and myself, Louis Trapani. So, uh, welcome back, Dave. Hi. Hi. Hi, Louis. How's it going? Well, it's a bit cold to be hitchhiking at this time of the year, but uh, <laughs> glad to be here anyway. Well, as long as you, you just have to expose your thumb, the rest can be covered up. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello. Dave, mm-hmm. you should never forget your towel. You've got your towel. It has an absolute plethora of uses, including keeping yourself warm. <laughs> just a tip. I should have learned that from Hogwarts Go Campy. <laughs> well, welcome back to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and we're back. And I know it's been a while. It's probably since since Torchwood, Miracle Day, probably was the the last show, show that we had. And um, so, but since then, the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, the 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 fifth and unfortunately final series of the final of the Sarah Jane Adventures has. Um, been transmitted on CBBC, and it was an abbreviated series. So we're going to be reviewing that in just a bit. But we we got some news to cover because um, on on a related note, there's news that just broke. Just in fact, uh, yesterday before we, as we record this, is that Russell T Davies is back in the UK. Um, he was in Los Angeles, as I mentioned before, with the um, spearheading the um, the Torchwood Miracle Day series in the US on stars and um, unfortunately um, his uh, his partner has um, had come down with um, uh, brain cancer I believe and he's back in the UK and he's um, now concentrating on um, you know on, on his care as well as um, now news has broken that he's launching a new series on CBC a, a new uh, children's adventure sci-fi series called aliens versus wizards so this is something which um, he's working with Phil Ford, who he had worked with together with the Sarah Jane Adventures. And, um, you know, so it's my assumption is that this sort of is, is going to be, you know, picking up where, you know, filling the gap that's left by the Sarah Jane Adventures, more or less. You know, it's obviously it's not a spinoff. It's it's something where, um, 
I believe the art in the article there's a um, it gives a brief premise that it's a story of two 16 year old boys and a secret wizard and his scientist friend. I wonder if his scientist friend has a a blue box. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, or, a, or, a little, or a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> or it's called Floella Benjamin. Who challenged the attempts of aliens to destroy the Earth. So it, it sounds a little, you know, it echoes a bit there of Sarah Jane Adventures. Uh, taking a bit of Sarah Jane, taking a bit of Harry Potter, mix it all together, see what we get. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He's got two genres together, hasn't he? There, the, the 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 science fiction element. Of course, this is Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. We're talking about, so it's got the sci-fi element, and therefore, of course, with Harry Potter uh, now uh, mainly finished, uh, we've got uh, the um, the wizard element. But um, one of the things that amazes me about it is that he's been able to use that as a title because uh, people will know that there's been a film recently in the States called uh, Cowboys v. Aliens. And I would have thought that most of the actual uh, people in the film industry would have thought, right, let, let's um, copyright all the combinations of that, you know, uh, um, let's, uh, uh, you know, Doctors v. Aliens, um, uh, 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 you know, and, and go through all the possible uh, combinations of two that you could possibly think and get them all copyrighted down to stop somebody else using it. Because it's, uh, that was Cowboys v Aliens, this is Aliens v Wizards. And I think he's spotted a, a very clever idea here. I mean, he's certainly got the talent to bring it to screen. He's got a proven track record. He's absolutely marvellous at children's TV. Uh, he's got a, a definite uh, inner child in him that uh, will allow him to uh, bring this to the screen. Every confidence in it. And there's absolutely no doubt about it because of his reputation. This must, uh, and I don't know what you guys think, but this must have got one of the fastest green lights of any uh, children's production that I can ever remember. Well, Paul, you know, yes. with this, I, I'm sorry, Graham, just with the success of Sarah Jane, this, you know, probably, and, and his proven track record, I, I would say so, yes. Um, I'm sorry, Graham, go ahead. Uh, and plus, they also already have on video uh, a prime example from Doctor Who and his last bit, and I'll not swear here, uh, where it mixed Harry Potter and, and uh. Doctor Who together to do David Tennant's finale, and that's as much as I'll say about that. Right, yeah. Mm. Well, we'll say that it's scheduled for autumn of this year, 2012. It's 12 half-hour programs, so um, that similar to uh, to Sarah Jane Smith, the Sarah Jane Adventures. And so I'm assuming that it's, and I don't know, this is just a pure assumption on my part, that maybe it will take on the same format, that maybe there'll be uh, six stories, each one taking two parts to tell, Possibly, I don't know. That's um, I don't know if they're going to be half-hour stories or hour stories. You know, with parts one and part two, or or, or maybe they could be four parts. But I'm suspecting it won't be more than two parts. I think two parts works extremely well with the child. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about child, we're talking quite sophisticated children nowadays. I mean, uh, uh, when um, when we when when the Harry Potter books came out, and and, and uh, they they were getting ever thicker with each each one that came out, uh, a lot of people would think, well, they'd never take off. Children just haven't got that uh, retention. They just won't be able to do it. And it's marvellous that that has been proved 
uh, uh, people's soul wrong. Uh, but there's no doubt about it with uh, the formula that they use for the Sarah Jane Adventures, the, the two-part episode, which, well, you've still got a cliffhanger, but then you haven't got a story that sort of carries over for three or four episodes. And let's face it, today's, well, not just kids, adults as well, have a shorter attention span when it comes to this sort of thing, you know, with, uh, you know, after music videos and now with the Internet, with YouTube videos, everything needs to be, you know, three minutes or under whatever. So it's um, it's not surprising that it would be no more than two parts. And as you said, Dave, I think two parts probably works best for this format. This has just been announced, so there's no obviously no casting information or you know any other further details. But we'll um, you know keep you updated on that as details begin to roll out. We did mention it with it is a it is a BBC Wales production, so it has got all the technology and all the uh, expertise from the. Uh, you know, from the Welsh mm-hmm. contingent, yeah. the ones that have brought us some, well, actually, maybe one of the other things that we'll be talking about soon. Uh, it's absolutely a powerhouse of uh, uh, British drama at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they should have moved there instead of moving to Salford. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. uh, yeah, Graham, I think you have some news that you want to share with us. Yeah, um, since our last appearance here Blake 7 which is one of Ken's I know it's one of my favourites and I know Dave just drools thinking about Serverland <laughs> and behave yourself Dave um, no Blake 7 I'm a Blake 7 fan crazy. too I haven't seen it in a while. I, you know, Blake Seven. I before you go on, I just <laughs> just need to get this off my chest. Is that back in the day, back in the in the um, I don't know, maybe nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight, there was announced that Blake Seven would be coming to DVD in the U.S. And this was even before Doctor Who was announced to become to, on DVD in the U.S. So it was. Um, I was. I had. I had been buying the Blake Seven VHS tapes at that time, and I stopped buying them because they hadn't made this announcement. I said, "Oh, I'd rather get." on dvd so i stopped you know i mean i have them all i had recorded them off pbs when it was shown on pbs here back in the 80s so i was waiting for these uh, dvds to come out you know region one dvds and it never happened doctor who dvds came out it's still to this day the only blake seven dvds available are the region two um uk dvds and i know as soon as i buy those that's when Blake Seven will be announced and will come out on in you know in um, Region One North American uh, format. So um, so yeah, I, I've been holding off, waiting for the DVDs, and I think I'm just gonna have to like kind of bite the bullet and either um, you know um, g- you know watch my old VHS copies or or get the Region Twos. But I I know as soon as I get those Region Twos, they're gonna announce the Region Ones. I should just say in the UK the the the. Late seven DVDs have never actually been that cheap. Uh, you know, they've they've held the prices. I suppose they haven't got the uh, they don't sell in the vast numbers to bring them down. You know, you know the things I've bemoaned in the past, where you know, like you're getting something like Smallville and uh, one once uh, uh, series eight comes out, then they drop the price of series seven. Once nine comes out, they drop the price of series eight. And so so if, you, if you're prepared to be one series behind, mm-hmm. you can get them at well under half price for the, the ones. But the Blake Sevens have, have still, I think they're still around, not far short of $55, $60. 
Yeah, I think it's sort of the the demand isn't so great, so therefore, you know, it, they know they're not selling a lot, so they keep the price higher to to you know earn, you know, where if they were selling a lot, they could they could afford a smaller margin on the pricing. Yeah, I mean, okay, you can get it's, it's quick looking the usual sort of place for these sort of things. Uh, separately, it's not too bad, but uh, if you want a complete collection, it's on the UK Amazon at the moment. Uh, brand new, the complete collection. So that's all four series, 16 DVDs, and that's £49. So you are literally looking at about roughly wow. $55. So the prices are coming down. I mean, you're looking at series one's now 14 99 wow. Series two, 16 97 Series three, 16 Series four. Fourteen ninety nine. So, um, well, yeah. the last time I looked in HMV, they were thirty five pound a series. Oh no, you don't yeah. look in places like HMV. They'll take your arm your leg if you're not looking. <laughs> so, but but getting back to your news, I, I I didn't mean to interrupt again. <laughs> Sidetrack uh, there. I understand. I understand your thing about uh, sort of trying to hold off. That's why. I've, I know this is the Hitchhiker's Guide, British sci-fi, but it's the reason I've gone and bought myself a, a new copy of um, a second Doctor story called The Ice Warriors on VHS because I could actually get it cheap uh, because it's going to absolute age before I can watch that on DVD. But getting back to Blake 7, now, sort of talking of Doctor Who in that way, um, Big Finish is known for bringing out Doctor Who dramas. And there are the full cast dramas, and then there are the companion chronicles. Now, because they can't get the rights to do full um, cast dramas, they do have have got the rights, well, they have got themselves the rights to do a sort of idea that's based on the companion chronicles idea. So basically, you've got Paul Darrow plus one other of the cast, and, and sometimes it goes up to three people in the cast, so you... Often you get um, Villa turning up in these recordings. Now, and basically, Big Finish are now producing uh, what they call the Liberator Chronicles, uh, which is a series of enhanced audiobooks. And uh, basically, they're being released in licensing deal with B7. And B7 belongs to Paul, partly belongs to Paul Darrow. So I'm not sure where the problem is with licensing, is probably. <laughs> From experience, it's probably lying at the Terry Nation estate's feet. So um, that's part of the problem. Now, it's now way past it, and unfortunately, but uh, BBC Radio 4 Extra, which was BBC Radio 7 and before, uh, it's just updated the name, and they've been actually broadcasting these uh, over the Christmas period. So is the chance that they may get repeated. So keep your eye out on BBC Radio 4 Extra um, right. programming schedule and they'll probably come back up because well, that's what they tend to do is that they go in a bit of a loop with that sort of stuff. Well, I've got some information about that. The the most recent one was shown on Saturday the 21st and Sunday the 22nd and actually on the BBC 4 uh if you look at BBC Radio 4 Extra and, and, and put, look in the, the different genres section, drama, and you can actually still listen only for four days now, so depends how quickly Lewis gets this episode up online. Uh, Blake 7... The, <laughs> the early, pressure, the pressure. <laughs> yeah, uh, Blake 7, the early years, uh, Eye of the Machine is still available to listen to and with four days left. Yeah. 
So uh, basically, un unlike the TV part of it, um, the radio part of the BBC iPlayer is free to listen to all over the world, no matter where you are. All you need is a okay internet connection, I mean an okay one, because uh, it, it's literally uh, the audio is coming down in the kilobyte range and not in the megabyte range, uh, yeah. lower kilobytes, so... You know, you're only double figures, like 64 kilobytes on average. Just these sort of the, you get really good audio at that as well. Yeah, uh, and just to say that uh, available for five days as we record is episode four of the St Scary Fires, the Secret Weapon of Doom. Uh, but again, uh, as as Graham says, we're we're not just teasing you with these, and you find they've gone. They do come back and round. They're on sort of like a a carousel uh, way of uh, airing them. So that's. Uh, bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4 extra and then go through the programs and, and just put drama and there are over 72 uh, links to drama uh, audio programs uh, that you can uh, and actually it takes two pages to to find all the ones and I'll very quickly see if there's any other science fiction ones there don't think so. Lots of interesting stuff. Uh, Charles Dickens stuff. Uh, Inspector Allen Mysteries, uh, which I know is not really our remit on this one, but uh, it, just to show you the, the the breadth of it. And I think basically um, the the fact that it's Radio 4 Extra is now was a cost-saving exercise when they closed Radio 7 down. And and these things usually show up on you know on CDs or Audible or uh, you know elsewhere. I would think you know. So even if you do miss it on oh, yeah. on radio, you you'll find it in some other format. No, most definitely. So I'm gonna have a quick look about because you mentioned Audible. I'm gonna have a quick look. So that's it's about. Um, well, this is not really a fantasy thing, so you may want to leave this. But uh, um, well, let me just say one thing about that: the yeah. Eye of the Machine episode, uh, which uh, probably will have gone. But it's uh, computer gen uh, genius Avon becomes embittered by the establishment. Stars Colin Salmon. Well, listen to this: Jeffrey Palmer. Oh. Remember, C mm -hmm. Captain from Voyage of the Damned, and yeah. Keely Hawks. Keely Hawks, of course, was in uh, Ashes to Ashes, played the lead character in Ashes to Ashes. Uh, well, thanks for Dave's little bit of info there. Um, now, I live in Germany, as most people may know, so if I can get it, you probably can get it. So I'm looking at Audible uh, in Germany, Audible DE, yeah. and the Liberator is already av available on Audible. So, um, yeah, go and have a look. Now, the other bit was on about is, um, oh, it's Terry Pratchett, which is not quite science fiction, but the um, this year's production, the Sky Television, which will be in Sky One, uh, will be the Unseen uh, Academicals, which is loosely based on a, a sort of football -y theme. And basically, for the uninitiated, Terry Pratchett writes about this world, which is basically a, as people used to imagine the world was here, uh, a flat world which sits on top of the back of four elephants, which are standing on the shell of the great turtle Atuin. It flies through Cosmos. So basically, that's the only sort of TV news from that sort of thing. Apart from the one after that, it's supposed to be. Um, a, th a thing called uh, sorcery, but also in between there is the Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman uh, book, um, Good Omens, 
which is very much a sort of sci-fi stroke fantasy because it, it takes from both. And um, if you like your hitchhikers, then you might like Good Omens. And that's actually looking at being filmed uh, within the next year and a half, next 18 months. So excellent to look forward to as well. And if you find yourself enjoying the works of Terry Pratchett, there's a good podcast out that you might want to check out as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, Graham Graham can fill you in on, uh, on, on this amazing podcast. Uh, the Pratchett podcast, uh, you can find it on iTunes. And uh, yes, it's by myself. And Reese Parton from Who's the Man, 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast, the Doctor Who archive, and there's a couple of others he does. He's as bad as I am for being in podcasts, I think. <laughs> it's, a, it's a disease, <laughs> the podcasting. <laughs> Once you do Pocket one, you, well, I, look at Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an amateur. Just dabble. <laughs> yeah. Today's incorrigible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff. So yeah, definitely something worth checking out. The the podcast and, and the works of Terry Pratchett. I I'm a bit of a novice there myself, but um hopefully one day I'll I'll get to um to indulging in, in, in those works. Yeah. Oh, you can also find them on Audible. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you can make that your free Audible selection. What a perfect segue. Well, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction, and a whole lot more. If you go check out their website, you'll see that they have a huge selection of Doctor Who titles and Doctor Who related titles, including Torchwood and others. Audible titles play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, more than 500 devices for your listening anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you find, well, it's not for you, well, you can always, you can always cancel and keep your free audiobook. Now, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi, all one word, for your free audiobook. As always, we like to make a recommendation or a referral of what you could choose as your free selection. It's open to you. You can choose whatever they have to offer. But since we are reviewing Series 5, the, the last series of the Sarah Jane Adventures with uh, the great Elizabeth Sladen, it seems appropriate that the selection would be a autobiography the elizabeth sladen the autobiography it's called it was completed only months before elizabeth sladen had died in april 2011 it tells her remarkable story from humble beginnings in post-war liverpool uh to her theatrical career and of course her science fiction work with doctor who and her own series it's narrated by Carol Ann John, who you may remember from Doctor Who. Well, she played the Doctor's Companion for against John Pertwee, played Liz Shore. And it has a forward by none other than David Tennant. Let's hear a little bit from that right now. A long table scattered with scripts, water bottles and paper nameplates stretched the whole length of the room. What felt like hundreds of people milled around expectantly, chatting, checking blackberries, casting sideways glances as I tried to keep breathing and affect an air of insouciant calm. 
I took my place in front of my little paper sign and glanced around the table. And there, just across from me and down to my left, a face from my childhood leapt out from among the throng. Sarah Jane Smith was quietly leafing through a script and composing herself for the afternoon ahead. Perhaps she was sipping a glass of water, maybe chatting to her neighbour, I don't remember now. All I remember is the sense that in that moment someone familiar, someone comforting, and someone slightly magical had come to make sure everything was going to be all right. If Sarah was here, there was nothing to worry about. Later that afternoon, she would be calling me doctor. The little eight-year-old in my head, who was frankly reeling at the fact that I was in that room at all, was soothed and, of course, thrilled that the doctor's one true assistant was there to look out for him. Of course, later I would get to know Liz and realise she was just as nervous as me that day, but in that moment she represented all that made me want the job in the first place. It was her voice that transported me. In one line she catapulted me back to Saturday tea times, the little catch in her voice as she confronted the latest intergalactic horror. The jeopardy was always palpable. Everything seemed so real, almost raw. Everything Sarah did was alive and true. Liz's absolute conviction in playing that role brought the worlds of Doctor Who to vivid, irrefutable life. There was no danger that a cheap set or a less-than-convincing rubber mask would puncture the magic when Liz was there, believing in everything around her with such passionate certitude. And here she was. Just the same. The same conviction, the same passion for it. She was utterly consummate. And, of course, she looked the same. Everybody would say it, but Elizabeth Sladen never seemed to age, either in looks or spirit. As an actor, you're not supposed to get starstruck. It isn't the done thing to be in awe of someone you're working with. It wouldn't be very helpful if you couldn't look your co-star in the eye when you're supposed to be playing their boss or their lover. It's a professional necessity that you can at least pretend to be easy in the company of your colleagues. I would have to admit to a handful of instances where such professionalism has failed me, though, and that afternoon, when I finally met Liz, was one of them. Reading through the script was easy. I was doing scenes with Sarah Jane Smith. I'd play now, this is unabridged. That means it's 13 hours and 16 minutes. It was just released last November. Once again, to download this or any of the selections available from Audible, you can download it at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. And get your free audiobook. So, well, we're back on Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. And as we said at the top of the show, we're here to um, to review the complete series. It's an abbreviated series, unfortunately, of the Sarah Jane Adventures Series 5. And I was going to say it goes without say, but maybe I should say that it's it's abbreviated because, unfortunately, the the star, Elizabeth Sladen, had passed away midway through the making of this series. So uh, the intention was to do a full series, and unfortunately she had passed, and uh, there were three stories, which were six episodes, you know, two, two episodes for each story that were actually shot at that time. So they were able to kind of finish those and, um, you know, as far as post-production goes and everything like that and bring them to us so they weren't lost. But it's unfortunate that, you know, the series... Well, it's unfortunate that we lost Elizabeth Sladen, but um, 
at least we, we got three out of the, you know, three stories out of, I think the six that was planned for the, for the series. It, it does mean that there's certain things that were introduced. Like I think in, in the first episode that we probably would have seen later on, you know, uh, recapped that we never did, you know, and, and even in, in the second story too, there's a, a character in it that, that possibly might've shown up later on. Well, let me um, get us a little bit in the mood here. 13 Bannerman Road is where Sarah Jane Smith lives. <laughs> and it's home to things way beyond your imagination. There's an extraterrestrial supercomputer in the wall. Her son, a genetically engineered boy genius. A schoolgirl investigator across the road. And a whole universe of adventure. Right here on the doorstep. Ready? Always. Well, that's the the opening title sequence there for the Sarah Jane Adventures, and um, so there are th the three stories that uh, that were um, that are part of this series that that was that was able to be transmitted were Sky, the Curse of Clyde Langer, and the Man Who Never Was. So, and each of those were two episodes in length. So. What I'll do is, um, Dave was kind enough to give us some clips. So we'll, this is we're going to start off reviewing Sky, and then we'll move on progressively. After that, my name is Miss Myers, and you're going to help me find my child. Whoever left her on my doorstep, that was no accident. I think someone needs me to protect this baby before they come looking for it. This was a bloke fell out of the sky. His skin was all metal. No child, she is a weapon. Sky's energy's flooding out of The doom of the metal kind has come. So Sky, it's episode one of the new series, and it's uh well, it doesn't take too long before one realizes, and, and uh, we're just going to review parts one and two together, you know, obviously, mm, as one story. So it doesn't take too long before uh, we realize that this is a obvious Luke replacement story, where um, it, it's very similarly, it, it, it parallels very much the introduction of the character Luke, and, and this is where my problem lies, is that um, it... I didn't think it's needed, you know. Obviously, um, you know we have the actor that plays Luke, who's um, who's away in college. He's um, um, uh, my God, his name University. just university. Yeah, um, Tommy, Tommy Knight. Knight. Tommy Knight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the brain is a terrible thing. <laughs> he himself, Tom, the actor and the character in this series, is is off at university, and supposedly K nine is with him. But we'll get that later on. I'll get to that later on. It seems that, but you know what? What happened was when um, when this series first launched, it was uh, you know we were introduced to Luke and Mister Smith, and it seemed obvious that these two characters replaced K nine in the series, and now Sky is. Um, replacing Luke since um, his character is absent. But as I said, I don't think it's it's one that's needed. I don't, you know, it's okay to have him, you know, sporadically return when he can, but you still have Clyde and Ronnie as, um, you know, 
companions to Sarah Jane's doctor, if you will. You know, they, they still could do stories. You don't need to have one character that has special abilities. You know, you still can do a story. Why not bring K-9 back into it, you know, and um, have K-9, you know, if you need someone running around with you. I know K-9 is difficult, you know, production-wise, it's it's difficult, a chore to work with. But, um, you know, have him, d- you know, be there for those times and you need a laser or whatever, or, or, or some intelligent, um, you know, um, dialogue or, or, or reading or whatever. But I guess they didn't want to do canine and company again, but I don't know. I just didn't think it was needed. I think you can continue. I think, Oh, let me also just say that, that, you know, um, as I said at the beginning of this, that we've lost Elizabeth Sladen, but we're going to review these episodes as if it was going to be a complete series, you know? Um, so here they were, introducing a new character sky that will be taking place for the foreseeable future you know in the the rest of the series and then any future series that was to come well i I, first of all i'm gonna have to disagree with you because i think the actual uh, a new character was uh, needed desperately because if you Remember, certainly I was making out, and uh, I'm certainly not alone. There wasn't uh, nothing clever on my part, but um, the the concern that many of us had, I think, about the Sarah Jane Adventures was not that this sudden shock of, because of course it was get very private, uh, personal uh, health issues, uh, was the fact that the series would come to grief because the actual child actors in it would be getting too old to be realistically able to to uh, maintain you know, their dependence, as it were, in relationship with Sarah Jane. I mean, um, and therefore I did think they needed a, a fresh injection of new blood. Um, certainly with Tommy Knight okay. going away, that was one thing. This, no, no, I'm saying that's a word. That's, that's something to That's something that I, I didn't really consider. Being that this, it, it, we have to, obviously this is a children's series. So that's, you want to have characters that child, that, that kids can relate to. So that, yeah. that has merit. Yes. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, I didn't think of Which that. Would, yes. And I think uh, quite a few people of us think uh, there must be some slight romantic feelings now uh, coming between uh, Clyde and Rani. So it could be quite easily that the series could have ended uh, if it had gone, as you say, the full 12 parts of of, of them uh, going off together, in a sense, or at least drifting away from Sarah Jane and perhaps becoming occasional guest uh, presence in the show, as indeed, as you say, that um, uh, the Tommy Knight character was. Uh, and you can't introduce three new kids at once. So I think it was very important to introduce this uh, this young girl, uh, played by uh, Sinead, Michelle, I think. Um, Sinead. Sinead, is it? Sinead, is it? Michael, Sorry, well done. Yeah, yeah Sinead Michael. Absolutely, by the way, I was blown away by her acting. I thought uh, she was absolutely on the money. Uh, but I, I will agree with you on, on some part, uh, Lewis. I think perhaps it would have been as well if after the first one or two stories, and may well this might have been written into the series, was that she would gradually lose her powers the longer she stayed on Earth. Uh, because otherwise she'd have become the sonic screwdriver, wouldn't she, in a sense? <laughs> Although, of course, uh, Sarah Jane has her... her uh, lipstick. Lipstick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the sort of upside of things, um, I've got to look at it this way. The, the sort of average age of the viewer of the Sarah Jane Adventures was much lower than actual cast members. And obviously, we've got the Sarah Jane bit, that's fine, but I'm talking about the kids. 
Yeah. So the kids that were just coming into it, they had no one they could relate to because they weren't of the same age. Now, the kids that had started with it from the beginning, uh, basically Clive, Rani, and uh, Luke, basically all the same age. That was fine, but the kids that are coming in and they wanted to keep this program going, uh, obviously our circumstances are basically defined otherwise. But if, to keep it going, they need to bring in a new character, which would allow the people, the younger kids or the, the younger new kids to actually have something to look at. Now, the plus side of Sky being female means we have a more of a family unit going on that's just a... As much as Luke and you've got the, the mother-son thing going on there, there's there are girls watching this. And the girls, okay, they might be able to sort of hook onto, onto Rani, but Rani's now getting much older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can look at Sarah, but Sarah's more the mother kind and the mother type. So these girls that wanted to watch this are now sort of maybe feeling left out. And for me personally, it was a great idea to bring her in to bring in the family unit. So you've got a, f- a proper family unit, a son, a daughter, and a mother. Okay, there's no father there. But in a lot of society today... You've got it, Mr. It's Smith. A, a, mother, a mother-led household. <laughs> and you've got Mr. You got Mr. Smith anyway upstairs, so it's not a problem. Clocked away in the my closet. Main, <laughs> yeah, but my main problem with this was basically recycling such story. a vast part of Invasion of the Bane that um, you're going, oh... Have I seen this before? Oh, yes, I have. Um, it was basically the, the fact that, okay, we got through this bit of um, the same questions as when Luke was completely inexperienced. Uh, is that wrong then? Is that wrong then? And we're like, oh, we are back to square one, and this could become so annoying. Luckily, even just through these three um, stories and the six episodes, we don't have that so often, and it was... It wasn't dragged yeah, she, out, was it? It wasn't dragged out, thankfully, because that really could be potentially become so annoying uh, that nobody uh, would want to watch. Now, getting up that sort of unit and bring on to the sort of story-wise this this the idea. So we've got uh, somebody from my childhood back again as Professor Celeste Rivers of Floella Benjamin, who is an absolute delight to watch when she's on television. Uh, she doesn't really look like she's aged that much uh, since I was watching her as a child in the 70s on, on the on, on the BBC. So uh, it's good to see her back. But uh, I tell you, I was really impressed by the uh, so-called enemy in this. We had two enemies. Uh, we had the so-called mother of Sky, and then we had the metal kind as well, played by our uh, resident monster uh, actor, Paul Casey. Mm-hmm the guy inside the suit and I love it's a pity there was the series of figures uh, for the first series and I think the second series of Sarah Jane Adventures after that it stopped apparently not lucrative enough which is a pity because I'd love to have a figure of the metal kind it just it looks right um, you know you, you have this sort of um, sort of idea of a I don't know a T-9000 unit from the Terminator 2, you know, the liquid uh, metal idea. Terminator uh, 1000, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 the, the 1000s, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger idea, but the, the, the 9, I think it was a 9000? No, 1000. He, he was a T-800, I think. Uh, 
but uh, it's sort of this idea that you've got this fluid metal being it's a metal being you know bringing in the ideas okay we are carbon based uh, there's more likely if we look for long enough there's probably silicon based and I think even on our own planet we found silicon based creatures even though they're only singular or multiple cell creatures um, why not metal you know it's not that far fetched an idea so I really like that idea, but it was just sort of the usual sort of uh, battle uh, between you got two and en- basically got two enemy forces who have brought their. Yeah, it's just the the similarities between you know the, the origins of Sky and the origins of Luke were just too similar because weren't weren't Luke wasn't Luke kind of developed developed by you know for for evil purposes and, and then um, the same thing with Sky. Sky was basically a bomb as a, as a baby and. Both, both genetically engineered in a way. Um, one being actually pro- uh, Luke being properly genetically engineered, and um, Sky actually being born. But uh, that's really about as much as the difference goes, apart from one male, one female, really. Uh, I suppose so, the answer is it was a reboot, then, really. What you're saying? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it seemed to me, quite honestly and quite openly, a reboot. Yeah. Um, the reason that we've got these three uh, these three stories, though, before we go much further, is because uh, the production um, was actually hung onto the back of the previous series. So the end of series four, basically, they produced these three stories on the back of the previous se- uh, previous series, and they were going to do that. Uh, basically, they're going to do the the other half and then series after that uh, in the next production block. So, yeah. And that's why we've got these three stories at all, because uh, as far as I've been able to attain, um, Liz only found out in February uh, that she had cancer, so it really did go quickly. And, you know, she was basically surprised by it as much as everybody else. She, I mean, she was very as she was vibrant as ever in this episode. Well, in all three yeah. of these stories, she, you know, you would never guess that there was anything, you know, wrong with her at all. Um, no. Though I, I'm going to go back to the, I mean, and I understand the points about having, um, you know, having characters that children can identify with. But maybe I was an exception to the rule. But growing up, I, I kind of just watched adult shows. I, I didn't really watch a lot of shows with with kids in it i i mean i i grew up watching um star trek and um you know and other sci-fi shows that were, or, or fantasy or adventure shows that were mostly uh, had cast members of, of adults in it and when they did have a a kid you know like uh what was it galactica 1980 whatever it, it was always a, oh yeah it was always a horrible situation when they because it was always some kid that had some extraordinary power or whatever and even with Baby Sky, you have Baby Sky. All of a sudden, at the end of episode one, she has this accelerated growth and turns into. Well, they, they. Um, I think Sarah Jane mentions that, or someone of the characters says that she's a teenager. I think she's. She seems younger than that, though. But. Um, she's a teenager. She's twelve. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the old thing. Oh, she's a teenager, but she's twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, we've never seen this before in sci-fi, right? I mean, this is, I mean, it just, I don't know. I mean, we could, it, I understand maybe introducing the character. I think Dave's point is 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 one that, that um, you know, is a valid one that, you know, um, the Clyde and um, Ronnie are probably going to 
eventually go off and do other things, and you want to keep companions for Sarah Jane. So, yeah, you need to introduce new ca- new characters, but I don't know if this was the best way to introduce Sky. And also, so now once Sky goes off to university, they'll have to introduce another character, and I'm sure that character's name would be Walker, because then Sarah's <laughs> children would be Luke Sky Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Do you know what? I actually can see that. <laughs> They'll have yeah. some. They'll introduce another kid. If this, if the series had continued, I tallest to donuts. That character, that kid, a boy or a girl, will be named Walker. And then I could just yeah. see it now. Here's my children: Luke, Sky, Walker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that that probably. I'd love to find out. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but you go on about sort of yeah. I see what you mean about other kids being introduced and stuff that you watched as you were younger. Um, oh, it's the same stuff that we got over in the UK as well. And there are I, mean, I, I just didn't need to have. I mean, I know if we go back to Doctor Who, that was the that, that's yeah. why we had Susan, and that's that's why we had. Um, and if you go back to the Those Peter were. Cushing movies, they made Susan even a younger character so that the kids can have someone to relate to. But I, I can argue that. Kids don't necessarily need to have a kid, you know, someone of their own age to relate to a show. At least I didn't. I but I could be the exception. I think that I think you're right about the thing is is that either gave the kids a uh, superpower or you know, some sort of power, you know, whether it be um, PSI or whatever. Um, PSI that's pounds per square inch. Um, <laughs> psychic you know, abilities, psychic and all that sort of stuff, or. They were generally extremely annoying, mm-hmm. and if you want, and if you want a vouch of this, go and watch the original ba- uh, Battlestar Galactica movie, and Boxy. Oh, the kid was annoying the whole way through, and we, he was supposed to be our way in. Right. Yeah, so I kind of get your idea because you're probably watching stuff like Fantasy Island as well. And- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the current right. current perceived wisdom is that they they have the the character that the the viewer will identify about three or four years older than the, the average age of watching because then that that becomes an aspirational image so that twelve year old girls want to see a fourteen or fifteen year old girl, you know what I mean? Uh, an eight or nine want to see a thirteen year old so that uh, that's often the case with the lot of teenage books and magazines and so on. Um, they're 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 marketed. As you know, a, a, a comic for fifteen-year-olds, but they know that their readership will be twelve-year-olds. So it's like, uh, so the because a twelve-year-old child is never going to buy a comic that says for twelve-year-olds. No. They just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's play another clip because I, I know Dave had prepared a few. So, what just happened? I think Sky just no birthdays. Well, that's just rubbish. I am too late. Face your destruction, metal kind. The child is your doom. So, um, yeah, she grew up, and her clothes grew up with her, too. But, <laughs> obviously, we have to keep this uh, G-rated. No, I think she's in, like, a long christening dress, wasn't she? Uh, the, uh, it was a great long, well, what I would call a christening dress, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So th- th- that was, that, that I thought that actually worked all right. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll I like that. The, Clive, Clive, especially in that clip there, it was just sort of um, Clive and Rani had really great um, dialogue. This these three, uh, these three stories, 
And it's like, growing up all at once and getting no birthday, that's rubbish. <laughs> like, brilliant. <laughs> oh, it hits no heads because really getting really, really, really to really like Clyde. Like in Who at the moment, uh, everybody seems to like Rory definitely more than Amy. If you listen to anywhere, it's Rory, Rory, Rory. And I think Clyde is sort of getting the same sort of sort of buzz as well. I think he really shines in, in, in this story. And of course, in the next story, except, except, exceptionally so. But um, yeah, but I think in the series, he's really, um, he, he's come out on top, I think. Yeah. And certainly the actor has got better. Um, but um, yeah, the, there's no doubt about it. It's been a, an absolutely resounding success to Sarah Jane. I mean, five uh, five series is pretty good going for uh, you know a show of this kind. So uh, and was obviously could easily, as as Graham would put it, if this is a reboot, it was set to go for another five years. Yeah, and I should I just mention the, like, the the actor's name is Daniel Anthony, who plays Clyde Langer. Daniel Anthony, which is that's another Star uh, Star Wars thing, isn't it? Oh, Where Anthony Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something I thought about for so long. It's like, oh, that's weird. Though he's actually a better actor. Uh, though I have to say, I've never seen Anthony Daniels doing Shakespeare, so I really shouldn't judge him just his C-3PO work. Yeah, Anywho. I haven't seen um, his other works, but supposedly he didn't want to do um, the, the role. You know, he he thought, you know, uh, you know, he didn't want to play a robot because he thought that was sort of like beneath his acting abilities and all that. So, but it, that's all history now. But, but talking to Daniel Anthony, uh, do you want to start on Curse of Clyde Langer? Okay, well, let's. Is this uh, this third clip is still Sky? I, I assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll um, we'll we'll go into that. We'll we'll do both. I'll double back. I'll do two. We'll we'll finish off Sky and then we'll go right into a clip to um. The curse of um, Clyde Langer. How did you get in? From east to west, not north to south. Sometimes the sky should be blue. Have you come back for me? Well, that depends on you. Can I stay here with you? That's what I want. Oh, Sky, it's only been a day, and I feel like I've known you since you were a baby. This is your home for as long as you want it to be. Well, that's that then. Jolly good. Until the next time. Oh no, wait! Who was he then? I have the faintest idea. But I dare say we'll find out. One in good time. You must be starving. How does pizza sound? pizza well before we move on I, if that's that's the one character which we forgot to mention is the the shopkeeper that shopkeeper yeah yeah that that appears at the end of this episode which i have to assume that we would see him again maybe at the maybe an episode in the um you know the at at the end of the series 
because it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the fourth one probably. I don't think it'd have been the end baddie, as it were. No, not, not as a baddie, but maybe well, uh, well, just we don't know what. Uh, well, no, know. no the, the, he's really the element. He's really the element that shortcuts them into a story, isn't he? Because he, he the last time he, he he zapped them to that house mm-hmm. where that was a really good adventure. It was back in the past, and each of the three characters had to solve problems and so on. Uh, I didn't particularly think he was a strong character, but it was very strong in the way it took the story into a very powerful uh, episode. Yeah. For me, he was practically the guardian character in this, with it, probably mm-hmm. Black and the White Guardian combined. Uh, he does exa- pretty much the same job. But there's still all this mystery about, you know, what he, what he he's all about. So I would have thought that exactly. we would see him again if the series was um, able to continue. Yeah. All right, let's jump into um, the next story. Here's a clip. Do you know anything about curses? Native American curses. All day, every one of my friends has been turning against me. Ronnie, we're mates. I hate you! Get out! I think there's something wrong with my name. It's like it's cursed. I don't ever want to hear his name again. Mom, I love you. Please don't do this. I want you out of my life. I haven't done anything. It's the curse. It's taking everything over. The Curse of Clyde Langer. So, as I said before, I think this story really is, obviously, centers around the character Clyde Langer, and it's a showcase story for the actor uh, Daniel Anthony and, um, and I think, his abilities and I think it does it does very well with that. You know, I, I think some of the premises is a bit silly. You know, a curse centered around the name. Um, you know, it relies a bit on this whole like magic thing, you know, with with the I don't know. There was it lacks a little science is what I'm getting at. But under all that, I think there's a, a good story here. Um, I, I really enjoy later on the relationship that we find um, Clyde having with the with a homeless girl who, um, um, Ellie. yeah, but that turns out not to be really her name, but yeah, I, I think that was really interesting. And I, and I think, you know, maybe possibly we would see her again later on in this series. Well, I think it also, we've also, there's also been one of the stories in each of the series, which has had sort of a mystical element. I mean, was it series two, uh, day of the clown, you know, when you had those strange clowns mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, um, we had, um, well, the mad woman in the attic. I don't know whether that you class that in the same one, but we, we, we have had ones that, that sort of, you know, people are, I mean, I, I'm always scared of clowns. I think clowns are very scary, but, um, uh, I think totem poles have that sort of sinister look, you know, especially when they've got carved faces on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that works well as a story, but as you say, it was more of a showcase. And luckily, as you say, well, as I was mentioned earlier, the, the whether, whether this actor could have uh, carried the story as well so earlier on in the earlier series i don't know but he certainly did a uh, a good job with uh, with this one and um again uh, sky uh, the the girl playing sky proved that she wasn't just a a one-off novelty and she's instrumental in uh, you know coming to the uh, finding out what the problem was because she's immune to this curse she's the one the only one that can see everyone else out outside of clyde um she's the only one that could see everyone else's uh opinions towards Clyde changing and for some reason she's immune to it all. 
Uh, and one other thing, they had, they had another girl that uh, Clive befriends, doesn't he, on the street when he's... Yeah, the homeless girl. He's, he's, uh, yeah. yeah, which I, I was thinking that uh, she might... Uh, play more about it but um, I think there was something else that uh, if I remember when Graham talked about it once before on some other podcast um, you, you were quite um, you were quite interested in the fact of this uh, this strange uh, thing that they were afraid of on the street weren't you the uh, dragon something the dra- night dragon the night dragon the night dragon which was um, it was a fantastic sort of thing in the back of your head so I think this is all a bit fantastical. We've got totem poles that are basically old gods or supposedly old gods uh, spreading curses on people. Uh, so they, they might be able to uh, release themselves from the totem poles. And Ellie the uh, basically is on about the night dragon the whole time. And you wonder what the night dragon, the night dragon is. And you basically only get the idea of what the night, the night dragon uh, takes people, uh, takes the homeless away, uh, and such forth. And you're like, the heck could this be? Some sort of weird creature, or is it like a slitheen that's sort of, or whatever? Is it mm-hmm. what, what could this be? And the resolve was, which was just st- so straightforward. And we're all overthinking this, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, because we're all yeah. thinking that this is going to tie into the, the totem poles, that all this is going to be related. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. I, I think was deliberate, and um, and then it turns out to be quite something, quite something, you know, quite something quite different at the end. Mm. And, and, and I think also, uh, I'm sorry, I'll let Graham say, it, but it, I think it also brought in a bit of. Um, you know, care in the community type. You know, making young people think a little bit about, uh, you know, the the fact that mm-hmm. they are blessed to have a family and a home or whatever, and that um, you know the world outside can be a pretty harsh place. It it counterpoints the 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 warmness and safety and whatever. Uh, and this, uh, although that remember, because in the Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, although you could argue, uh, you know, the social services would soon have these kids of her if she was exposing them to risk. Uh, I was just reading about um, a girl at the age of 16 has just sailed solo around the world. Mm. can't remember her name uh, at the uh, moment. Yeah. But two things. Uh, the Guinness Book of Records have stopped putting in mm-hmm. records like that because they're afraid that younger and younger children will be put in harm's way. Because she's sort of like the third one to do it. Each one has been younger than the other because yeah. they keep on trying to, you know, break the record as being the youngest. Yeah, and actually, the social services in the U- uh, I think I think she's from the UK. Well, wherever for us no, from, she's from, not New Zealand, is she? But she's from Holland. Holland, Holland. Yeah. But the social services were 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 trying to get an injunction for her not to be allowed to go because they could say that the parents were being cruel to her. Now, I know that's going off topic, but in a sense, uh, it's, it's, it's very nice, that in not a heavy-handed way, but in, in sort of background. I could see even schools, you know, um, uh, talking, you know, the, in some of the sort of community-type programmes that they have in schools nowadays. That there are elements of that that actually get young people... Maybe not consciously, it's just going on in the background of the story, but they're making them aware that there are children you know, that run away from home and they're on the streets and can't turn to anybody. So I thought that was yeah. a great thing. Yeah, it's exactly. the, it, the situation here, I mean, is the monster. There's no, there's not like no real monster or alien that's the enemy. And yeah, in a sense, the totem pole and all that. But it's the situation that...
that is yeah. the enemy, which is really interesting. It's, it's having all your friends turn on you and then, you know, having no place to go. And, and that's scary, I'm, especially, you know, well, not just for kids, but for anyone, you know, it's 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 and I think I like the way they use that, that it wasn't a monster in a traditional sense. The monster here was the situation that that Clyde finds himself in and he finds others in, in a similar situation, more or less. Yeah, it's exactly that point. Um, the fact that you've got it's basically a story to raise the awareness of homeless or the uh, homeless children, uh, people on the streets that really don't need to be on the streets, but they are on the streets because they sort of don't have a choice. It's one of those sort of double knifed sort of or double edged uh, topics. Um, but they're raising the awareness that just because somebody is on the on the street there, maybe you know, whether it be a kid or whatever, um, that is not necessarily there because they're alcoholic, drug uh, using type of people. It's maybe the case of that the situation at home becomes so unbe- so unbearable, and that they don't, or maybe they've got their sort of blink away that the only thing they can see is just running away, and this is how it ends up instead of doing. Uh, what some um, people would do, which was go to the authorities, because the authorities don't really have that much of a good track record when it comes mm. to this sort of thing, because they get put in care home, and care homes are basically um, not much better than uh, Borstal, which is uh, UK way of, of, of uh, UK way of, uh, enti- of retitling a prison for uh, for people under the age of eighteen. And it's sort of raising that sort of awareness, so they don't want to land in a, in a care home because there'll be bullies and, and whatnot, and it's what they yeah. possibly could see as the only way out. So it's a great way for ra- raising awareness. Um, I was um, looking for the happy end in this story, and it never came. And I see why it was done. I agree why they did it was a good idea, but I was still disappointed in the end. Uh, because um, through the two stories, me personally, I invested so much in in the character of Ellie, mm-hmm. and maybe that they'd be able to sort of at least get her back to her mother and find out that her mother and her partner are split, and then she could actually go back home at last, and everything would be fine again. Or her. Well, uh, that's why I suspect. I don't know. I have no inside information. It's just pure speculation on my part that I, I suspect that maybe would've, we would have seen her again at the end of the series and have some sort of conclusion there, because we, we are left sort of you know hanging with that and and i'm with you i i really enjoyed seeing the relationship between the you know the two characters between clyde and um ellie or something the the name that she she uses so you know i i really thought that was interesting and and it was interesting seeing where that would go and how would that resolve go ahead david I was say two things. Uh, first of all, uh, if you do want to play another clip, I, I, think, you can, <laughs> I think you could skip skip the next one and go to, to the, the to the, the final the one. one. Okay, yeah, from that one. But secondly, uh, just going on to the next episode, I thought the young girl that was the cleaner, yeah, uh, was the. Se- I thought, I thought it was the same my initial. Point. I thought I had the same initial reaction. Yeah. I said, but "Oh, that's her." I'm like, "Oh no, it's not her." <laughs> yeah, we all did. Yeah. <laughs> So, how are you settling in with Sarah Jane? Oh, have you met Luke yet? He's such a lovely boy. He was such big friends with... Mrs. Langer. This keeps happening to me. 
something comes into my head and I don't know what. It's like a part of my world has gone and I don't know what it is. Is it Clyde? Don't use that name in my house. Why? I don't understand. Everybody's turned against him, but nobody can tell me why. Just be glad he's gone. But Clyde's your son. Don't you love him? I told you, don't say that name. It's just a name, Mrs. Langer. Clyde oh, is your son's name. It hurts. Stop saying it. That's it. It's his name. His name's doing all this. It's gonna be all right, Mrs. Langer. Somehow, I promise. And amazingly, by the way, the, the actress playing his mother, Jocelyn, she's only 32. <laughs> Jocelyn Lee Ellison, uh, I can't pronounce her, second, her surname, but uh, and when this was made, uh, she was only 31. And of course, Clyde's about 23. <laughs> the, the actor, the, not the character. Yeah, the actor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of brought in. Ah, that's sort of. Ah, the, the last bit there is sort of trick. Well, trigger. That was it. It was um, the thing about Clive's name. The way we can look at it is, it, it was a trigger, mm -hmm. basically, um, for whatever they should be angry at. It was just, even though if it's not the name itself that was cursed, it'd be a trigger for um, whatever the person was supposed to be feeling angry against. But so, after um, they did reverse it, and then they they were able to see, you know, Sarah, Ronnie, and um, well, uh, Sky wasn't affected. But w when those two um, realized what was going on, and they were able able to realize that they um, abandoned Clyde, then they they went in the car and they they found him. When um, when Clyde first sees them, and I think I don't I don't know who says it. Someone calls out Clyde's name. Maybe it was Ronnie or Sarah Jane. Um, I would have been nice to see um, if you know, had the character Clyde resist at first, maybe thinking that they're coming after him. You know, because he didn't know that they had turned back. You know, that they're they're back to normal. So his first reaction should have been maybe a fear. But it's all right. It's it's not a big. It's just a little thing that they could have done just for like a second or two. Have him almost like start running away before he realizes that they're back to normal. Yeah. So and then at the end, Mister Smith hijacks a transmat beam from a passing ship or something like that to get the to get the totem pole in the attic. And again, we'll we'll, we'll let that go by. <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of, of something out of a, you know, hitchhike, you know, a Vogon fleet might happen to be passing by or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the name of this podcast, I think we'll be constantly refer uh, referencing well, it's, that. We're obliged to. <laughs> yeah. One book or another. <laughs> All right. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll jump into The Man Who Never Was. you work for? Oh, Mr. Harrison, this is not exactly a new experience for me. You're not going to fire that gun. Oh! Do you want to bet? I don't think you ever fired that gun. No. There's a first time for everything. I'm walking out now. You won't stop me. Sky, what are you doing? <laughs> Lipstick that bites. 
How very interesting. <laughs> what are you doing down there? Level five, punish! So this story started very good, I thought, and then it rapidly declined. Um, but before I get into that, I just wanted to make a mention that the character here is uh, the, the name um, Joseph Surf, who, who who's um, the the founder of I guess the Surf Technologies, a surf company. Um, they they come out with a product called the Surfboard. Uh, but I should say that the Surf, the name, the the word Surf, the is. Um, rooted back in history to equal slave at one time. So there's a definite, um, you know, uh, thought that went behind the name, you know, coming up with the name Surf there. And surfing the web. it was two-tier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what Dave said there. It's sort of a two-tier mm-hmm. sort of thing there. So you've got the, the actual meaning of the word and then you have the actual sort of what we would take it to be nowadays. Um the character's sort of supposed to be, oh, you take all your um, favorite Palo Alto-type uh, characters and, and throw them all together, and uh, people looking at this and thinking Steve, Steve Jobs well, straight off yeah, that. Yeah, because everyone uh, used to joke about his, um, about the, his field, his re- reality distortion field that he would have around him, and I think they were playing off of that. Though Steve Jobs would not approve of the surfboard. You see how big and bulky that was? <laughs> that <laughs> was no iPad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thing was terrible. Though there was an IMAX sat on the side. Uh, a bit dis- lightly disguised, a big old circle in the, over the, the apple. But anyways, um, the idea wasn't bad, but uh, this is probably the first time that I have ever seen James Dreyfus, uh, who's playing Harrison, playing a bad guy. Yeah, He plays it very well. Boy, did he ham it up. It was something, I enjoyed that. It was something to relish because he was just going for it. He was in this it's slightly pantomime, which is probably why he didn't like it. I mean, myself and Dave are used to sort of the pantomime um, productions well, that are, are put on over Christmas uh, uh, in whoever the local theatre is, but to anybody outside the UK would think, this is this is nuts, this is, what the hell's going on? Well, well when he saw Sarah Jane's lipstick, I was sure he was going to say, gimme, gimme, gimme. Because <laughs> uh, that was a series in with Kathleen Burke. Of course, he was in uh, Ben Elton's sitcom, The Thin Blue Line. So, Blue yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, one of the great things that on, on Podshock as well that you always talk about, Lewis, is the, the fact the number of uh, comedic actors, and I say comedic actors, uh, you know, that have been brought in to play villains in Doctor Who, uh, all the way to Hitler-like looking people in uh, certain non-named episodes. Uh, but mm-hmm. it has always been uh, great comedians, Alexis Sale and things like that, that have been brought into Doctor Who. And I think, actually, he, he was very menacing. I mean, you actually thought he would use that gun, uh, which was surprising for kids' TV. But no, I, I liked his... Uh, the casting of him. Yeah, I thought he got, worked very well in it. I'm sorry, go ahead, Graham. And then you've got other sort of people coming, uh, being brought in. Uh, a Doctor Who, um, well, he, he's another one of these guys that supports uh, supports Doctor Who by the amount of times he's appeared in it in different roles. Uh, Dan Starkey, uh, who's one of the, sort of the Jawas-like creatures, as we could have described it. I think most of us looked at yeah. them and were like, 
the hell are the Jawas doing in this? Well, that's when um, I thought the whole story went into a rapid decline. Once we got into the steampunk control room, you know, here you have, which I thought was going to be a high tech, you know, uh, you know, control room, you know, controlling this projected uh, character named, you know, Joseph Surf, and then it turns out to be, you know, levers and levers and Jawas controlling them and with lit signs that's, you know, for different parts of the body, including the bum. <laughs> It just—it seemed a bit silly. I know it's a children's show, but you—you you can't insult their intelligence, you know. I—I I, I, even as a kid, I would have been put off by that. Well, well, there was one risque moment that I think Graham's probably the, the person in the room here that will perhaps describe that best uh, when the, 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 they're trying to read the sentences that Sky is typing out. <laughs> Never so glad to see a full stop. <laughs> oh, don't start me off. No, um, I'll refrain from that. But I, you get there is always well, I say always, but there was often the jokey story in each of the series of Sarah Jane, and this was the jokey story, mm. the one that was a light-hearted, and and there was a sort of the, the the menace was in the background, but it was the light-hearted one, and there was still the drama and that. And I think this was the one you you couldn't have uh, said anything else about it. And um, the little aliens that are controlling um, the scallions or whatever that, that was another sort of um, character options uh, potential figure to be produced uh, that never get produced, unfortunately. Um, you know they had yeah. this intricate mask with the the cyclops and the you know and all yeah. that. It was done very well, but obviously they could only do it once. They didn't have the budget to do it. so. That's why all the other Jawas or Scallions had uh, you know those minor masks on. Those uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's well solved in that. It's basically welded masks that they had on. Uh, but the other sort of fight, uh, well, we we've seen that before with the Jadoon on Doctor Who, where you know you, yeah. you they were able to do you know like one Jadoon's you know actual face, but then they had to put helmets on everyone else because they couldn't really afford to make so many masks. Well, they did it with the, uh, the like Silurians, yeah, yeah, Silurians, Silurians mm-hmm. and the Sontarans. I mean, Dan Starkey would have been used to that as as being uh, one of the major players of of Sontarans, uh, along with the guy who used to be Mike in. Yeah, a certain comedy show at the eighties, um, and they but, did they did that with the Ood as well. There was only one animated Ood, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were just masks. Um, but somebody of my age, and oh, definitely Dave's age, uh, would have recognised uh, a certain comedy actor that he is always the straight man, Mr. Peter Bowles, who's been in so many BBC comedies, uh, you lose count, and occasionally straight stuff, but mostly comedies. And it was just fantastic, A, to see that he's still alive. <laughs> because, uh, I don't get... To, basically, I get this sort of information on the back burner, and it may be the case that I find out about somebody like him passing on, like, months after the the, the fact. So um, it's great to see him, and he's still the same sort of... Same sort of person. He was supposed to be one of um, Sarah Jane's yeah. old editors or previous editors. So I was glad to see him back. The in one who kept on referring back to typewriters, you know, just do yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, he's been in everything. He's been in the, the Avengers, but he's been in comedies like To the Man Born, Only When I Laugh. Uh, he's been in. He was in The Prisoner, played an agent known as A in The Prisoner. Uh, been in Space 1999, End of Eternity. He's been in the first survive, uh, episode of Survivors. 
Uh, so he's been in. Yeah, he did look familiar. Yeah, lots of stuff. And now that you and bring it up, and now, so, now I so place him in those other stories. Yeah, and the original survivors we're talking about, of course. Yeah, uh, back in the seventies, the good version. <laughs> <sighs> well, here's a, another clip from it. They need nowadays. Put them back on the right track, and the pay will be very good. I'll make sure of that. That was a nice touch there with the unit, the card. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, yeah, just the mention of that. I hate minions, and I, hang on. Creatures with one singular eye right in the middle, and when they're yellow, and hang on, has this idea been nicked from Despicable Me? The minions. Mm. Mm. It's just an idea. It, yeah, I'm not familiar. It just seemed to me an obvious, an obvious thing there. Uh, and we, 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 we must say, of course, that we don't know as well with this episode what the constraints were to actually complete it. It must have had to have been uh, adapted somewhat. Uh, uh, luckily, of course, Sarah Jane is in it throughout. Uh, but, um, I mean, it wasn't going to be the third story, I don't think. But... Um, uh, you, you know, watching these three stories, and, and by the way, we should say to uh, uh, the listeners that, that that is all that was actually aired and completed. Uh, it looks, although it, obviously you've got questions hanging, you know, what happened to that uh, runaway girl? What happened to the uh, um, the uh, the guy we, we talked about that left Sky at the end of the other one? The, uh, the shopkeeper. The, the, the shopkeeper. They, they obviously weren't... Uh, brought to a conclusion but each of these stories f seems a fully rounded story and uh, we don't know what rewrites had to be made to to actually make them work but uh, the, the, there's there's no drop off of quality at all and really um, we're, we're so well I'm certainly so glad and I know a lot of you are that you know they didn't decide to stick these on a shelf uh, uh, and wait to decide what to do with them uh, mm -hmm. but they, they actually got them out there uh, and I should just say, it is quite sad to hear Sarah Jane's voice again uh, when we're playing these clips. But um, absolutely, uh, I thought uh, the Series 5 was as strong as any of the earlier series. And uh, it, even if it was some sort of a... Re and I'm giving a sort of a recap here now from my perspective. Uh, even if it was sort of a reboot, as Graham says, uh, it was a good reboot and it looked very vibrant. It looked as though um, the series um, would uh, have at least uh, a couple of more series in it. I could see the fact that... Uh, 
Clive and Rani, Clyde and Rani would have to be sort of phased out somewhat, maybe towards the end of this series, maybe early on in, in any series six that would have then followed. Uh, and I was absolutely delighted with this young, very strong actress, as I said, that played um, Sky. And it was in very rude health as a series. Uh, it's very sad on a personal level uh, for uh, Liz Sladen and her family, of course. Uh, but it's a great loss to us because this was absolutely quality children's television and quality children's television that could be watched by children of all ages and they include us three in that <laughs> I and mean, me personally i mean as much as the previous series were of great quality and i'd say that the one that you don't like dave that is probably my favorite story of all of the series so far um i really enjoyed this series this final series even though it's half a series, more than the rest. Don't ask me why. I think they were really getting down to sort of, we know how to do this now, and they're really just concentrating on producing great television. I mean, great television. It doesn't matter if it's for kids. Uh, quite often, quite often as it is with British television, that I really get switched off from it. Uh, television for adults at the moment in the UK, even here in Germany, is, there's a lot of these reality TV shows, as much as in the States, and it's it's basically, for me, brain death. So then when you've got a kid's television series like this, with storylines you can follow and they are you know fairly good, and you've got to take it with a slight picture of salt. It's not really made for me, personally, because I'm just way older. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm I'm basically three times the uh, older than the age group they're supposed to be aiming at for this. For me, it's personally it was brilliant television, absolutely brilliant television on such a really good high level. And you know, it's a shame that things had to go the way they did. But all the same, uh, I am ever so glad that we got what we got, and that it's all it's now just recently been released on DVD as a complete um, series box set so every series is in one box set now so you haven't got them yet you can get out there and you get the whole lot and the price isn't too bad either well i i do want to make a couple more points about the man who never was which was um we see luke returning to this story for the you know for the first time this series you know outside of you know the you know um skyping or however they you would see them on on the video screen but this he actually returns in this episode so you know being that it's an abbreviated series i'm glad he was able to get at least one story in you know with um that we see um um tommy knight as as luke smith he returns back and there's this a uh, first there's a bit of a not on Luke's part, but on on Sky's part, some tension there that he might be coming, you know, and want his room back, and uh, you know, and then they sort of kind of resolve that at the end of the episode. And we also learn that K nine is with, um, which I didn't realize until he mentioned Luke mentions that K 9s with him at university doing something or another. Yeah. They kind of explain why we don't see K nine at all. Yeah, uh, K nine went off with, as as Luke went to university in the last series. Uh, K nine was packed off with him after. Yeah, I don't remember. Being able to be recalled from the black hole that we're supposed to be guarding the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, some of this is partly to do with the, the actual proper K nine series that's produced in Australia. Uh, right, the fact that the actor uh, John Leeson 
is voicing the canine series in Australia. Um, it's probably more to do with it rather than the proper problems with well, I'm licensing sure itself. He probably could do both. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, that big of a chore for him, I'm sure. Yeah, you shouldn't push a nice guy too far. <laughs> uh, one thing I didn't say about the episode, I should have done, and I think it was, some, I think it was Darth Skeptical that said it uh, on the podcast, uh, on our podcast, the, uh, the, the, there was great that we had the sort of foreshadowing of Clyde and Riley because they play Mr and Mrs in this when they mm. go... Uh, yeah, that's right, uh, as reporters. Uh, and so he saw that as a foreshadowing of the, you know, they're, they're gradually becoming together uh, and, and uh, you know, Start because I mean one of the things that's been completely absent from Sarah Jane is is any sort of um, you know I mean Clyde and Riley uh, I, I mean all right this Sean has still been in the final year at school doing their A levels I suppose and Luke's yeah. already a year ahead of them uh, or he's, you know he, he goes to university because he's so clever he's won his scholarship a year early hasn't he so yeah. but I mean um, you know there's been very little um, emphasis of uh, you know budding uh, adolescence, as it will say, and leave it at that. Um, so, which is another reason why, of course, uh, they they need to perhaps be uh, be moving on towards the end of this series. So, very satisfactory. Uh, touch with the the sadness of what's happened, and uh, when you come to it, uh, we we have. Do do you want to comment, guys, on how you feel as though they decided to go out with this? Uh, you know, leaving it sort of. The, the adventures hanging in the air, as it were. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah. Um, me personally, it was a, a great idea, and sort of to sort of say that the adventures just keep going on, and not saying that the the character has has died, like as in the the brigadier. Uh, basically, was mentioned in the wedding. Uh, was it the wedding a river song? Mm. Yes, it. I think it was, and. Um, it was just, just the fact they did that. And there was the second, this was, they had basically two, as far as I was aware, and as it reported, there was two endings. And so they decided to go with the second ending because uh, the the one ending was the one that the Sladen wanted, which was that she gets uh, pulled up by a spaceship and basically carted off, uh, kidnapped. So and there was that ending. But this this sort of was the better ending because even though that may have left things open-ended in a sort of way... It, it allows... Thing, it allows yeah. for the audience to continue the adventures in their imaginations, you know. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it could even leave room for an animated series. Anim audio books, basically, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of. You know, like maybe Clive and Ronnie Adventures. Uh, well, I was thinking that, too, as a spin-off. When you guys were talking about them getting together and, you know, I can see them doing a, you know, leaving Sarah Jean, moving somewhere else and doing a, a spin-off series, possibly. Yeah. Or, or as, as I've heard often uh, mentioned, and I'll say it myself, uh, I'd love to see it. Hey, you need replacements on the TARDIS for uh, for Rory and Amy. They're there, pull them on board. And they're already got so much experience of their own. You know, it's not a bad idea. It's not even the worst idea. In fact, it could be quite a laugh because with those two bouncing off the current doctor, yeah, could be something great. That's one one final thing I, I would comment, of course, is that one of the bonuses we had throughout these series is that we had both the 10th and the 11th doctor pay uh, visits mm -hmm. to it. In fact, uh, David Tennant, the, te the Tennant Doctor, was it, weren't his last scenes ever as a Doctor filmed on Sarah Jane Adventures? 
Yeah, it was. I believe so. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mentioned at the time that in both, uh, I felt that that Smith Smith's um, appearance was much better. Uh, Matt Smith, because even though a lot of people were saying, "Oh, he was fully there," I still felt he was very Tom Baker like and just sort of phoning it in, really. And uh, despite him physically being there, it's like. Baker, uh, Tom Baker at the end of Logopolis was more just basically phoning it in, really, uh, on automatic, and it sort of spoiled it. So uh, it's just the way it came across to me. Uh, I know, like Ian, the, 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 those three, the you know, the keeper of Tracken and Castrovalva and mm. uh, and that and the, that one, uh, th- that's a, a pretty golden patch, I thought, of Doctor Who. Those three. Episodes. Anyway, we better not digress. Uh, Lewis, what did you think about the way they ended? Well, as I said, I think they did well. I think keeping it open and allowing the audience to continue the adventures and their imaginations. I mean, I think everyone that's watching, I don't know about the, the younger kids, but um, I think a lot of the audience obviously knows what happened with Elizabeth Sladen. And, and instead of having a sad, you know, farewell, it was sort of like the adventures go on forever and ever. Yeah. And I think you have um, one last clip that illustrates that. Indeed. I've seen amazing things out there in space. But strange things can happen wherever you are. I have learned that life on Earth can be an adventure too. Oh, look. In all the universe, I never expected to find a family. By the way, I love the Sarah Jane music, by the way. I think mm-hmm. I ought to just throw that in. Yeah, Mary Gold, uh, the theme. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just, uh, before people write in or, uh, <laughs> I just want to say that I was joking before when I called them scallions. Like they're scullions or it was the, 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 the slave race in the last episode. And um, and and just uh, just to continue with being a tech head, I just have to say that Ronnie used the touchscreen wearing rubber gloves. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> you, you need the conductiveness of your finger for the touchscreen to work. But that was just uh, that's a little pet peeve. Mm, depends on the rubber gloves, yes. <laughs> it sort of depends on the rubber gloves, but that's a long tech decision for another day. All right. Well. Um, that's I think going to round out our review. I think it was it was a it, I mean obviously it would have been better if it was a complete series. I'm you know it would be interested to see how because as you know Graham as you said each series sort of had one episode that was mystic, one episode that was silly or whatever, and you know they're, they're usually um, towards the end, especially I guess towards the the climax. The, the, they always got um, you know a more serious bent on you know it'd be interesting to see where the series would have gone if it was allowed to continue. But but I, I you know I'm glad that we got to see these three. Before we wrap, we already um, mentioned Graham's other show. There's uh, Dave's also has the Cult- Cultum Collective that is on every Sunday. So um, they've already covered the Sarah Jane Adventures, but uh, you might want to mention what's coming up on the Cultum this Sunday. 
Well, indeed, uh, the, we're going to be talking about Merlin Series 4, and that will, of course, be on uh, Sunday the 29th of January. Um, series 5, of course, uh, is uh, just... In fact, I think it's March of this year it will begin filming, and uh, there's no air date for Series 5 yet, um, uh, and 13 episodes have been uh, ordered. But we on the Colton Collective, that's... Uh, Touch your ID 54821, Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we'll be talking about Merlin Series 4. Fantastic. And, and live audience participation yes. is also accepted. Just like the <laughs> talk show uh, when we do the live here, uh, the Podshock live reviews and you do uh, so, a couple yeah. shows on talk show as well besides the uh, um the, the one that we mentioned the pratchett one you also do um the you do a um a parody so, one the, the yeah so i've got the pratchett uh, the pratchett podcast which is it's slowly becoming the primary podcast unfortunately um uh, but there's a second doctor's podcast where I try to review um, something Doctor Who, but in no particular order whatsoever, and really just uh, at a whim. So you'll be surprised, but I'll never cover anything that's current. And the other one is the Professor How Doctor Who parody podcast. And yeah, you can let me know how good my impression impersonations are. Spot on. And I should make a mention that as this goes out, this um, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, uh, just prior to this, which is in post-production now, but should be out by this time, is Doctor Who Pachak, episode 265, which, speaking of reviews of non-recent stuff, we review Doctor Who and the Solorians. So um, you want to take a listen to that. And Dave is on that as well. Okay. All right. Just well, had to work. <laughs> Well, next time. So um, it was a great episode. I really enjoyed speaking with both of you gentlemen. It was fun. Enjoyed it. So until next time, cheers, everyone. Bye for now. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can send feedback at arttrap.com slash British Sci-Fi. You can also support the podcast by visiting arttrap.com and click on the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. While there, please visit the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi store where you can get some swag, including shirts and mugs and assorted trinkets with the show's logo on it. If you're not already a listener, please be sure to listen to our Doctor Who podcast, Doctor Who Podchock. Go to podchock.net for details. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.